Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining me here tonight on Golf Talk Live. We've got a great show for you. As always, we're going to be starting off here in just a moment or two uh, with another uh, interesting Coach's Corner panel uh, discussion tonight. I've got a, a great a couple of prof- or a group of professionals, excuse me, not a couple, cu- a group of them uh, waiting in the wings, going to come out. We're going to have an interesting discussion tonight. And then actually one of them is going to stick around, and he's going to join uh, another uh, great guest that's going to be joining on the second half. Of course, I'm talking about John Decker, a PJ instructor, an instructor with GolfSwing.com, and Dr. Angelica Napolitano, a.k.a. the Golf Doc, and owner of the Optimal Physical Therapy and Wellness uh, center in Jupiter, Florida. They're going to be joining me on the second half as my special guest. Um, so I appreciate everybody joining me in. And uh, before I introduce the panel tonight, uh, let me just remind everybody, uh, I want to give a special thank you to our sponsor, GolfSwing.com, for sponsoring the Coach's Corner panel again this season on Golf Talk Live. Uh, GolfSwing.com, excuse me, with their cutting-edge technology, have teamed up alongside some of the best golf instructors, coaches, and swing gurus in the business. Together, they have created one of the best video teaching and training online platforms in golf. So if you're ready to break 100, 90, 80, or even 70, join their online video academy and learn from some of the best. Remember to enter promo code GOLFTALKLIVE at checkout to receive 50% off the subscription price. Join today and watch, practice, and improve your game. All right, I'm going to introduce the panel, and then we're going to get right down to business tonight. Uh, again, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. All right, first up is John Decker. Uh, he's, uh, I mentioned, a PJ instructor with GolfSwing.com and a motivational speaker. Uh, he's the former teacher professional at the New Albany Country Club. He's also the 2015 Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year. Uh, he was prior head instructor at the Grand Cypress Academy of Golf in Orlando, where he worked under such top uh, 100 instructors, Fred Griffin and the late Phil Rogers. Uh, He also authored the book, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which has an accompanying Bible study. Also joining on the panel is Peter Agazarian, uh, owner and director of performance for Northeast Performance Institute, and also the owner and president of Northeast Golf Performance. He was the 2017 uh, Northeastern New York PGA Player Development Award recipient. He's a Trackman master and proponent uh, group member. Uh, Also on the panel is Pete Buchanan, the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf LLC, which of course houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and the Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. And Peter has been uh, uh, Pete has been teaching for over 30 years here in the golf business. Guys, uh, welcome as always to the Coach's Corner panel. Thanks, Ted. Thank Thanks, you, Ted. Peter. All right, appreciate it. Um, I'm going to start sort of in an opposite direction tonight, um, and I'm going to go. Uh, in order last how I introduced you guys uh, and then work up that way and then come back uh, uh, from first to, to last again just uh, just to sort of mix it up a little bit so uh, Pete you're the you get the lucky draw tonight and uh, got a, a sort of a mixed bag of, of some questions tonight and the first one really uh, or actually the first few really are from the perspective of many of our 
new beginners to the game. And uh, here's some questions that I've, I've come across here, and, and I just want to get um, your perspective on this. And the other guys, uh, I've got some questions for you as well, but you know, you're welcome to jump in after Pete finishes uh, to share your thoughts on that as well. So, uh, Pete, here's the first question uh, that's sort of been put to the, to the panel, if you will. And, and uh, this individual says, you know, I've never hit uh, a golf ball in my life. So is there any hope that I can learn to play a game that I've never played as a child? So obviously this is somebody that's a little bit uh, older, that didn't, uh, as many of us have, uh, learned the game at a very young age uh, and wants to take up the game. So talk a little bit about, is it, is it too late to take up golf if they're a little bit older? Uh, and if not, what's the best way to go about it? Well, I've always used the phrase, the golf ball has no idea how old you are, so it only knows the club's going to hit it. So I don't think it's ever too late to, to pick it up. Um, you know, the one thing that I would want to do is discuss with them the things that they have done before. Have they played other sports? Have they done other, other games, table tennis, any kind of activities that they've done before? And then just introduce them to what golf really is, you know, explaining what uh, what it's all about. I always like to sort of, if, if I've got them on the course, it's easier to explain, you know, what the holes and everything look like. If I don't, I can pull a scorecard out and give them an idea of how it's set up. And, you know, a lot of times the scorecards today have pictures of the holes, but just explaining to them a little bit about, you know, what it entails, what it takes, and then just introducing them to the, the golf club, how we're going to use it, what, what's it for. And, um, you know, it's, when you have somebody who hasn't done it before, you know, it's just like anything else. It, it becomes a, a learned process. So it's, it's really, you know, bringing them to the forefront of just understanding, you know, what it is they're going to do, how they're going to go about it, the tools that we're going to use to make it happen, uh, whether that's the club and the ball, the tees, tee boxes, you know, all those different things and just explain it to them. And then, you know, start them off in, a, in an understanding of, you know, there's a process to it. And eventually we'll get to a point where we, we cover the, the different pieces of the game from putting to chipping to pitching, you know, and understanding that there's, there's a driving aspect and then there's a, a, an aspect around the greens that they have to play too. So, but I don't think, you know, anybody's ever too old to pick it up. Um, I can remember from my golf school days, um, a guy had just retired 72 years old and had never played golf when we had him in the school. And uh, it was a delight to have him. So, you know, it, it really, I don't think there's an age limit. Um, as I said, it's just a matter of getting them to understand what the game's about and what they're going to do, and then going about uh, putting forth a plan to, to introduce it to them and, and get them on their way. Well said. And, and you know, when you think about it, uh, I think we're all old enough to remember this. Uh, you, I'm sure, all remember uh, PJ professional uh, Larry Nelson. Uh, he took up the game quite late. In fact, he was uh, into his 20s. He'd been playing baseball. Uh, through college and, and whatnot. He was on his way to wanting to play professional baseball. And uh, so he actually took up the game quite late. He didn't take it up as, as a child. But because, as you pointed out, Pete, you know, he played other sports and, and baseball was, was the primary one, uh, you know, he went on and, and of course, won uh, multiple times on the PGA Tour. So it is never too late. Um, Peter, I want to ask you just sort of a follow-up to that question. Uh, and that is, you know, a lot of folks out there, again, that have never played this game before, it can, I mean, golf can be intimidating to the best of us, but particularly somebody that's never picked up a golf club before. What are some things that you can think of that we can do as a, as a group in the industry to really help break that ice a little bit? Because it is a very, it, it can be a very difficult game 
to learn if, if you don't follow uh, things uh, you know, in the proper sequence, if you will. Um, but more importantly, it can be very intimidating. So what are some things that maybe you can think of that maybe you've done or you would suggest for your fellow professionals to, to maybe do to help break the ice a little bit? You know, first to simplify and to make it as fun as possible. Um, you know, and thirdly, see some immediate outcomes. You know, scale the game as much as you can. Scale the the set of clubs that they have in their bag. Um, make it again. Right now, people, and you know, we're as a culture, we and young people especially. If they see some immediate outcomes and some immediate gains, um, it's, you know, it's a, I want to do that again type of thing. You know, golf, when you hit a crisp golf shot as people who play, mm-hmm. you know, work professionals and people who play on a regular basis, there's really not many feelings like it. It's such a great feeling. And right. if you can help someone experience that one feeling, they're going to want to experience that again. So when I'm working with, beginner golfers um the first thing we do is simplify their bag down to you know uh three clubs and a putter you know and really what we can help them do is become comfortable and confident with those three clubs um help them understand how they're used and then as they're feeling more confident about those three clubs and their putter we introduce one club at a time and they help them understand what why we're adding that one club um and a lot of times when i'm working with someone that's a you know a pure beginner um those those three clubs generally don't include a driver um Mm -hmm. and then as we're feeling confident and depending on the conversation i'm having with that individual um like i said we add clubs as we as we see fit and you know clearly they're going to be out there to have fun Let's keep, let's keep our time together really fun. Let's make sure we're laughing and learning. But um, there's so many, so many, you know, beginner golfers that, you know, have inherited a set of clubs or, you know, got a set of clubs as a gift because for whatever reason, um, right. you know, and they're looking at this big bag of clubs and they just don't even know where to start. <laughs> so, right. you know, and, it, and it's just, you have to have a lot of empathy for them. They're, you know, that that set of clubs might be, you know, quote unquote, made for the beginner as an entry level set, but it has certainly has 14 clubs. And for someone that's just be, you know, beginning, that's, that's a lot to take in. So, um, yeah, I think that as a, as an industry, we can make it more simple, um, take down some barriers to entry for sure. Um, and as professionals, we can just make it again simplify, make it fun, and and help them understand it. Yeah, well, well said, uh, Peter as well. You know, I think John, I think we have to, uh, as as Peter just pointed out, and from an industry's industry, excuse me, perspective, keeping it simple, I think is is paramount because I think a lot of times, especially in this uh, technology age. Thing has, uh, a lot of things have become very complicated for a lot of people, and golf is, certainly falls into that. You know, we hear all kinds of different theories, and we hear all kinds of different gadgets and things that we can use, to, uh, which is great for the coaches, but when you start adding that in for the students, it can be a little bit overwhelming. 
what are your thoughts here when you're working with somebody that's literally brand new, that's maybe um, a little bit older, they haven't played golf, but perhaps they've played some other sports. How do you approach this? Well, again, thank you, Ted, for having me on the show, and Peter and Pete, it's a pleasure being on with you. Um, I work with a lot of beginners, just like I'm sure Peter and Pete do as well. And um, one of the things I want to do is make the game fun. I, I obviously, if I'm working with a beginner, uh, you know, you have to address them hitting the ball. They have to be able to advance the ball. But I also, before that first lesson is over, whether it's a half-hour lesson or a full hour, is I want them to see the ball go into the hole. I want them to have some sort of success. So if I literally, I mean, I, I, for small children, I'll put the ball maybe, uh, you know, five or six inches from the from the hole and just have them put the ball in the hole, and then I'll uh, slowly move the ball back away from the hole. But I want them to understand that, you know, we start at, at a teeing ground and then we go, you know, to the to to the hole. And so I think that that is something that that um, it's important because uh, a, a lot of times um, I've had I had a student one time. Uh, say to me, uh, they got on the first hole the first time they'd ever played golf before, and they said, when I got on the first hole, I didn't know where all the flags were. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she thought that all the flags that you have on the driving range was how it was going to be on the golf course. So that made that <laughs> really made an impact on me as a teacher that, you know, you've got to uh, – you can never assume that people understand all the things that are – that, that are they're, they're experiencing because most people, when they take a golf lesson for, for the first time, it's going to be on a driving range. And the golf course, as we all know, doesn't look anything like mm-hmm. that. So that, I try to make it fun and, 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 you know, give them the basic fundamentals. And I just wanted to say a follow-up to your Larry Nelson story, and I'll be very brief about this. Mm-hmm. But when my book came out, yep. I spoke in Atlanta, and, and Larry Nelson came to hear me speak. And um, I actually uh, – he bought one of my books, and – got my picture taken with him in the, in the U.S. Open trophy and the PGA Championship. He won three majors, as you know. And, but it was really a, a neat experience because he was telling me that the only reason he started playing golf was when he was in Vietnam. Uh, his room, the guy that he was basically sharing a tent with kept talking about golf. He had never played golf before. He, he, he promised right. him that if he got back alive, that he was going to start playing golf. He did get back alive. He got a, a job working at a factory. And during his lunch break, he would hit balls. And one year later, he made it on the PGA Tour. That story is incredible that someone could, could self-teach themselves and go from never playing to being on the PGA Tour in one year. So he told me that story, and, and I just think it's one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard. Yeah, he, he was a very inspirational story. I remember watching him, um, you know, uh, when he was uh, playing obviously regularly on the, the regular tour. And I remember that when that first came out and I thought, wow, I mean, cause I know he did play other sports and, and, and again, I'm going from memory here, but I believe baseball was something that he was very uh, interested oh, yeah. in at yeah. one he point. Was very, and yeah, he had yeah apparently he was very good, but right. And, uh, but never really played golf. So uh, I wasn't familiar with, with the entire story or I didn't certainly recall it all, but yeah. Um, but uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, Peter, I'm going to come back and start with you uh, on our next question here. Uh, and this is sort of a, uh, not really a follow-up, but uh, sort of walks in line with, with the first question. Um, should our new beginner be taking individual lessons or would, in a group environment, be better suited 
for somebody that's never played before. What are your thoughts there on both? It depends. It, it, it very much depends. Um, some people have the desire to have that individual attention and some um, people or group, a group of people may have decided that it'd be fun to learn together. And it's a, it's a productive environment in both cases. I, I really feel like it's, um, it needs to be the choice of the, the group of people or individual. Um, I've seen, and I do have beginner group coaching programs that um, generally people are going to gravitate towards signing up together in a group setting because they, they like to be comfortable. They like to know, you know, who they're going to be with. I think the uncertainty of just flat joining a group environment takes a, it's, it's very brave by some, by someone doing that because there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty as to what they're going to encounter. Um, I really encourage people that are looking at a, a group environment to, to find friends to do it with. It, it, right. It's just fun. Everybody learns really well. And ultimately those can be the people that you end up playing golf with and you've learned together. You can support each other while you're out playing without the coach. You can say, Oh, Peter said this, you know, maybe, maybe you, you, you know, you're doing this right now and they can help each other. They can help, you know, help coach yeah. each other um, in between sessions or maybe after your time together is done and you know, you're, they're each other's people, but you're mainly their coach and their golf person. So um, I really encourage that. Um, and some people on the individual side just really want that one-on-one attention because they have very specific goals and mm -hmm. maybe they're extremely competitive and just want, want to really, really progress to a, you know, to a point that maybe the group environment doesn't, they don't think that they don't feel like that group environment is going to help them achieve that. Yeah, it, it, I agree with you 100%. You know, it can really go, um, guys, either way, I think, on this one, because, uh, again, depending on the circumstance, and there's always a lot of variables uh, in, in, you know, the examples that we're using. So, I mean, again, one size doesn't, you know, fit all. But uh, some people kind of want to feel like they get lost in the group a little bit so, so that they're not, you know, front and center with that one-on-one -on -one experience. Sometimes that can be a little intimidating. But it can also be intimidating for people in a group. And I like your idea uh, Peter, of really, you know, encouraging them to invite friends into the group uh, to take the lessons with them. So there's already a comfort level uh, already there established a little bit. So it's not like they're coming in and there's two or three or, or four other strangers there that they've never met uh, to add to that extra pressure. It's already, as I mentioned earlier, difficult uh, for most golfers. So um, especially our, our beginning golfers. So I think anytime you can make a relaxed environment, whether it be individual lessons or group lessons, I think that's the way to go. Um, John, I'm going to jump to you uh, for this question here. And uh, this may not necessarily be the exact uh, question, but there's, uh, I'm sure, a lot of variables out there. But, you know, everybody wants to reduce their handicap by whether it be five, ten shots. I mean, we can pick a number here, but we'll stick with five shots. Uh, and the underlying question is, how long will it take me to achieve that goal? And people always come out with something like that. They have a specific goal in mind, and they want to get an idea, a gauge, if you will, 
how long it's going to take them. Let's talk about that. Well, this is a great a great question. Uh, I think five is very realistic, uh, and obviously it depends on what your handicap is. If you're a two handicap, uh, that might not be realistic. But if you're a, a right. 30 handicapper, uh, then, then obviously getting knocking five shots off of your game uh, is, is, is realistic if you're willing to pay the price, and that is putting in the time and practice. Uh, you know, I always encourage my students um, to try to take a, a series of lessons early in the season. Uh, you, do, you don't want to be trying to, to, to do it, you know, start, starting late or in the middle. Don't wait until your game is, you know, all the wheels are falling off and you're down to one wheel. You know, do it early in the season. Get yourself started with a, a series of lessons. And you can spread those lessons out, you know, over the whole summer if you want. Um, but, but have specific goals. And it's got to be a well-rounded approach. It can't be all on the driver. It can't all be on, you know, five irons and, and things like that. It's got to be a little bit of short game, uh, full swing, course management, uh, playing instruction, you know, all of those, those factors in. And then you have to put in the practice time. And so I, my gauge is, you know, for every, for every hour of lessons that you're taking, you know, ideally I would like you to have three hours of practice. If I can get two, I'm happy, and one is better than nothing. But if you come back to me and, and, I, get, and I give you a lesson on Wednesday and the next Wednesday I give you another lesson and you haven't practiced, then basically we are not going to be progressing. Uh, we can forget about the five, you know, knocking five shots off your game because all I'm going to be doing is just going over the same, you know, reinforcing what we worked on in the, in the previous lesson. So the student has to do their part. Obviously the instructor has to do their part. And if you have a goal and you, have, you, you lay out a plan, five shots is very doable, and I've had numerous students who, who've accomplished that goal. Yeah, I think it's. I think first and foremost, guys, you know, when when a student comes to you with a defined goal like that, whether it be five shots, ten shots, or or some other variable, um, I think that helps us, giving us a guide, if you will, to work with. It gives us something to work with. You know, obviously, in the case of a beginner, well, we want to establish some benchmarks. We want to find out what their current abilities are. Um, you know, how coordinated they are. Um, with the golf swing and, and how quickly they can adapt and learn things. Um, but as they start to progress, obviously they want to have other uh, things that maybe they've played for a little while, and now it's a matter of moving that needle down a little bit, whether, again, whether it be five shots or others. So I think it's great for them, you know, John, as you pointed out, to come to you with that. Um, but you, you raised a very key issue, and I know we've talked about this a ton of times on this show, um, but for those listeners out there that, you know, want to improve and want to, you know, lower their scores, you've got to put the time in. If you're going to come to us for lessons, um, then before the next lesson comes due, you've got to put some time and effort in working on the things that we talked about this week. Because if you're not going to do that, then really you're wasting both of our times. Because you're never going to, uh, unless by some miracle, uh, you're never really going to improve. And then you're going to either become frustrated and not play any longer or you're going to be disgruntled with us as your teaching profession or coach, and you know you're just not going to—it's just not going to gel. So you have to put the time in. Um, and again, John, you're right. You know, whether it's ideally, we would love maybe to get them—you know, three hours, two hours would be great too. Even one hour, in a lot of cases, I, I'd be happy sometimes if they would just do that. Um, 
Pete, I'm going to move to you for this next question. And um, this kind of goes on lessons as well. Uh, a lot of people ask uh, something along this lines. Um, should I take lessons frequently with uh, short intervals between them, like once a week kind of thing? Uh, or would it be better to take one or two lessons a week uh, over a longer period of time? That's a great question. Um, I think it boils down to, for many of them, just how much time they're going to have. Um, but as as John was alluding to, uh, I don't mind if, if they're taking them frequently as long as they have time to practice in between. Um, you know, one of the things I started doing this year is I basically set it up to where um, their lessons are supervised practice. So I have a, I have a plan built for them. And so when they come for the actual lesson, I'm actually taking them through the practice session. And so I do it with them. And so sometimes I'll even hit balls with them. So we'll do it together. So I actually show them how to practice and what types of things to practice. And I think it helps a lot because then, you know, they're, they're supervised. So they have, um, you know, something concrete to practice and something concrete to do. But I think it really depends on the person. Um, you know, I try to spread mine into packages over time, so I have six months and year right. long, and that way I can I can do that, and I can I can plan out how they're going to practice and make sure that they have enough time to do the things that they're going to do, and so that you know when they do practice, I always tell them I said oh, I don't want you to waste time practicing. I want you to have exactly something to do and a plan for that practice every time you go. I said all the other sports that were played when I went to practice, we always had a practice plan. Coach had the, mm -hmm. the whole practice two hours for basketball. The whole thing was set up. We did this. We ran these drills. We did that. And so I've been doing the same thing uh, for a lot of my folks now as I, I put them into longer packages so that we have time to plan out the exact things we're going to practice. And then um, I, mean, I did that yesterday. I had a gentleman out, and uh, it was we were doing an hour's worth of short game practice, and he and I did it together. So we had all the different shots that I had patterned, patterned out for him. And um, – he actually at the end said, you know, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed, you know, we had a couple of competitions along the way. So I think it's just a, a different way to do it. But I think it hits back to, to, to what John was saying when, you know, you have to make sure that they spend the time practicing. So I just want to build it into their whole routine so that I'm there and I can help supervise the practice. I don't do all of them, but I make sure that there's enough of them that I can give them a concrete idea of what I want them to do and how I want them to practice so it's more productive over that time frame as they're doing it. Right, right, well said. Um, you know, and again, as, as you know, you've all alluded many, many times here, once we have an understanding of what the student is looking for, what their goals are, what their, um, you know, realistic expectations, if you will, of what they want to accomplish, the only way they're going to be able to to sort of set those benchmarks, if you will, is to have a conversation. You know, uh, you know, communication is something that unfortunately, you know, is not as prevalent as it used to be because everybody's you know so engrossed in technology. And the problem with that, I mean, it's great to have technology. I like some of the the tools that are out there, but the problem is, is there's not as much communication as there should be. And what ends up ultimately happening is somebody, you know, sees something on YouTube or they see something on the internet and they say, I want to do that, or I want to do this. And then they come to you with really no clear 
you know, definitive plan. They just say, well, this is what I want, or I want to swing my, my, you know, club like him and hit the ball like him, but they don't have a plan as to, you know, what needs to go in place uh, in order to achieve that. And obviously that's where we can help, but ultimately if they don't have a, a you know, other than just a sort of a general idea, it can be very confusing sometimes for a lot of people. And this is where I think they get frustrated over time. Um, so having, uh, you know, something laid out for them, a plan that we can put together for them once we understand what their goals and their expectations are going to be, um, then it makes our job a little bit easier. But when they come in and they have, you know, some expectation of, uh, again, you know, John, as you pointed out, you know, five shots might be more realistic for some of our higher handicappers, but when you start getting down, uh, you know, to 10 or, or below, you know, that needle is a little harder to move. So there might be other things that need to be looked at. Um, this is a question that I want uh, all of you to, to sort of um, add your, your thoughts to. But Peter, I'm going to start with you on this one because uh, I believe it's your turn. Um, and this is one I'm sure that we've all, we've all heard many times. Um, you know, a player comes to you and says, you know, I've practiced a lot and uh, I just don't seem to, to get any better. How do you know you can make me a better, a better golfer out of me? Um, you know, they're coming up, they're now coming to you. They might've been with somebody else. may have never been with anybody, uh, but they're coming to you. They go out there, they're hitting balls all the time. They're doing what they think they, they need to do, but they're not seeing any improvement. And now they're coming to you, Peter, and they're saying, what makes you so sure you're going to be able to help me? let's start the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. You know, I, you have to have a conversation and listen. You have to be willing to actively listen so that you, you know, myself as the coach can understand. If I can't understand what you're applying, where your mindset is, what kind of questions you have, what you've been told, if I can't, be willing to under you know, be quiet, ask active questions if necessary, but listen to to genuinely want to understand the player. Then there's it it really can't be a a different type of experience and a different type of conversation than maybe they've ever had before. So, you know, just to to go into what I normally what I always do with my during my initial sessions, it's very, very conversational. It's extremely mm-hmm. conversational. I have every type of technology you can think. And if we're not inside, there's no technology. You know, and people come to me understanding, right. yeah, he's a, he's a, he has this, he's a TrackMan master. He's, he does, you know, he does all this with TPI and everything. But in general, that first is a, is a very organic and two way, mainly me listening and asking converse, asking questions, conversation. And then we really take it from there. I mean, it's, I'm watching them hit shots. Generally this conversation happens on the golf course. Um, with a new scenario, I think we're definitely just going to have an evaluation protocol. Um, but hopefully be on the golf course here shortly. Um, but yeah, that's my biggest thing. That is to make sure it's just very, very much the player talking more than I am and asking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. To, yeah. Yeah. There, there's nothing worse, um, guys, than having a student come to you 
that has absolutely no questions because now it's your turn to basically pry the information out of them because they're not giving you a lot of information. And well, Ted, on the other Ted, on the other side, to go back to the beginner, I think that's they're they're you're going to have a conver- different conversation. Sure. Than if it's a you know a, a regular golfer, you know they I think right. they're they're going to have all sorts of questions, but not not know what they don't know. You know it's. But so it's it's really it's really fun to just in general just get to know the person, um, right? And then understand where they're coming from from a golf sense because, you know, in a general sense, um, I work under the a little bit of the assumption that people are overloaded and overstimulated. Um, right. But there are the individual cases where that's not the case. So sorry to interrupt, but. No, that's fine. No, and and you're exactly right. I, I think again, this goes back to what we've said earlier: is is it depends on the individuals, uh, because everybody is different. But I guess what I mean by that, and John, I'm going to let you jump in here now as well, uh, with that same question. You know, we we get quite often uh, from a lot of people that you know I, I go out there, I'm doing all these things, and you know it's just not gelling, it's just not happening. I hit you know I hit the the, the sweet spot every once in a while, and that's what keeps bringing me back to the golf course, but you know, nine times out of 10, it's just, it's like the wheels are falling off the bus. Um, and now, you know, I'm coming to your club and, you know, you're got all these great things happening here, but how do I know you can help me? Well, I think it's important um, that you, you know, you empathize with the student and you let them know that this is not your first rodeo. You see this, I see this on a daily basis. There's always someone whose game is doing really well and they're, they're, you know, just patting you on the back and things are going great. And then you have the people who are going on the downswing and, and, you know, that maybe they're not as talented or they don't work at it as maybe as much and, and they're struggling with the game. And so, um, you know, empathizing with them and listening to them is very important as Peter uh, mentioned. One of my favorite stories in, about this is when I was teaching at Grand Cypress, I had a student who I'd been working with, and who had been doing really well, and he came to me and he said, I said, you know, he told me that he had played, and I, and he, and I said, well, how did you play? And he goes, I played terrible. He goes, I shot 155. And I said, 155? I said, you're a lot better than that. I said, we're going out. We have, we have these practice holes. I said, we're, forget this. I said, we're going out on the, on the holes right now, and I want to see why you're shooting 155. And so his first shot, he hit it in the water. And he said, yeah, I do that a lot. I hit in the water. And see, now – uh, I got to I got to retee another one right here, and I said, hold on a second. He didn't he didn't know that he could take the distance, and he hit it out there like 220 yards. He thought he had to retee mm-hmm. it, and he was doing that counting every shot. And I said, no wonder you shot 155. You didn't know the, you don't know the <laughs> rules. So I spent I spent the lesson teaching him the rules, and I said, just by you understanding these rules, you're probably going to save 30 shots. You know, because you don't understand any of the rules, and so. I think that's important that, that, you know, as teachers that we start when you, when you delve into the questions and you're listening and you're, you're gathering information is never assume that your student understands the rules, never assume that they understand, you know, how to get it out of the bunker or, uh, you know, the, any of the things, the etiquettes, any of that stuff. I always, um, you know, am, am trying to, to be a little bit of a, kind of like a crime scene investigator where you're trying to gather the information and fit, you know, what is it that they're not doing on the golf course? Because a lot of times in the lesson, they'll do great. They can stand there and they can hit shot after shot, but we all know the golf course is, 
obviously a much much more difficult than the driving range. Right. And, and you raise a very interesting point, um, John, as well, is how many golfers, especially new golfers that come, that have no concept, not just of the rules, but how the game is even played and a lot of the etiquette that goes with it and so on and so forth. Most of them, when they're driving up to the, to the golf course, don't even know what to do first. You know, do I park? Do I carry my clubs? Do I drop my clubs off? You know, there's a lot of different uh, variables. So again, obviously, depending where you're playing. And particularly, and I'm not trying to single anybody out here, but particularly for new female golfers. Because for women, even though the LPGA has been around for a long time, there's a lot of women who have just gotten into the game that really know nothing about golf. And that is one, probably, I would say, their number one issue is they don't know what to do. It's not just a matter of I can't hit the ball or I don't know how to you know, uh, putt or what have you. It's I don't know what to do when I get to the golf course. Where do I go? So I think in our initial conversations – um, as I think everybody sort of touched on, I think in addition to, to trying to find out what it is they want to accomplish, we need to understand what their level of understanding is. Because if they have no idea how the game is played um, or even a general understanding of some basic rules, um, then a lot of the you know, analogies, a lot of the, the verbiage, if you will, that we're using in our everyday you know, teaching is just literally going right over their heads. And that, again, adds to the confusion. Um, Pete, I want to give you an opportunity to answer uh, your thoughts on this question as well. And, and again, um, you know, I know there's going to be a little repetition here, but, you know, you, you've seen this. You work with a lot of people online that have, uh, you know, approached you in some fashion and said, look, I, I need help with my game. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. It's just not working. What makes you think you're going to help me, Pete? Well, first and foremost, um, you know, as as Peter said, you know, there has to be a conversation. And, and I've told you before as well, Ted, I use my dad's old theory of you know, passing the question test because I answer everything they tell me with a question. And so it gets to the root of what's going on. And to me, what I usually find is that most of the players who are struggling to try to improve don't fully understand what they're doing in the first place. So they have no real concept of cause and effect. And so I will try to get them to tell me what they're trying to do. And, you know, usually it's about a five-minute dissertation for the first, you know, three or four moves of the backswing. And, and, you know, they're totally lost. They don't really have any idea what they're trying to do. And they don't have any real concept of, you know, club and ball control or, or club and ball contact. So it's basically boiling down to, you know, here's what's going on. This is the reason why. Here's the main cause. This is what it's going to do. Here's the effects that come with it. And here's how we fix it. And so I think for the most part, um, I find a lot of them, whether it's online or whether it's face-to-face, they really don't have a good understanding of what they're trying to do. And I think the more they do things like you're talking about with, with you know, looking at various uh, different social media outlets and trying to find swings or answers, it just gets them more confused. And so, you know me, I'm going to simplify them to death. And so, I mean, I bring it down to the basic, simple aspects of it. And, and I just, um, I mean, I had a guy just the other day who was a, a former assistant professional who's and now uh, is no longer a golf professional, but he's a, a broker. And he came to me for some help. And here's a guy that, you know, has played at a, a very, very high level and really had no understanding of cause and effect. 
So it, it took us, yeah. because he had some ability, it only took us a few minutes for him to start hitting it well. But he really didn't have a concept right. of what he was trying to do. And so I think it's not only yeah. getting them to understand what that concept is, but then it's taking them from there. And here's what we're going to build now so that you can benefit from what you're understanding and build it into a better game. And then the other thing I would do along those lines is I take them on the course and I say, well, if you're struggling, show me where. Let's go out on the course and figure right. it out where are you really struggling at. And in many cases, you know, as John was saying, it's, it's to- totally something different than what, uh, what they truly anticipated. And you can really assist them and, and help those scores go down. Yeah, you know, what's interesting, you, you, you raised a good point, and obviously I know John pointed out earlier. Uh, what's always interesting to me is when somebody comes, uh, you know, for a lesson and they tell you, well, I'm not very good at this or I'm not very good at that. And, you know, obviously we, we want to uh, find out where the, the problem areas are so we can help them. And more often than not, just as you pointed out, Pete, is they'll come to you and say, well, you know, I, I'm not a very good driver of the ball. I need to be hitting it further. And, and you know, they'll hit it out there 200 and something yards. And it's, for the most part, it's pretty straight. And I'm saying, well, what's the problem? You're hitting it out in the fairway. That's where you want it. Well, I want to hit it farther. And that's the weakest area of my game. And then you get on the putting surface and they're three putting everything. So really it's not their driving that's necessarily bad. I mean, could they get some more distance? Yeah, we can work on that. But they want to focus on things that really are not necessarily going to help them score better when there's other areas like putting or chipping and things like that. And this is why, you know, we've always emphasized that the short game is critical for people to really be able to play better golf. I mean, you know, most people can hit within reason a pretty decent ball off the tee. But it's amazing how many people when they get into a bunker or they get – you know, a few yards off the green will take them three or four strokes to get it in the hole. So where are they really losing their, their, their shots? Is it off the tee or is it maybe around the green or, you know, 75 yards out from the green? So, you know, isolating where the real problems are and helping them to understand that, I think, is what is going to help them in the long run. All right, I want to ask you guys each a, a final question. Again, I'm going to give you um, uh, an opportunity to talk about and we're, we're, we're still got a little bit of the season left for for pretty much everybody we're we're in uh, september but it's starting to as, as uh, pete uh, peter sorry uh, mentioned earlier on off air that it was getting a little cool up in connecticut today so uh who knows how much more of the season he's going to have this year but um john i'm going to start with you um give us something from your teaching this year that has helped you become a better instructor Something that, whether it be a lesson or a group of lessons or something that you can pick, pinpoint to this season that's made you say, hmm, okay, if I do more of this or if I do more of that or, hey, this is going to really help me moving forward. Um, that's a great question, Ted. It, it, it's actually something that that um, that I have um, – it, it's a combination of something that I worked on in my own game and I was doing a presentation with uh, with Don Sargent um, at, here in the Columbus, Ohio area uh, earlier in the spring, and um, he was talking about um, you know he had the TrackMan information up there, and he was talking about uh, the club face angle. And um, and when when I came out of that, um, I had noticed in, in my own grip um, that my grip had gotten a little bit strong. 
uh, my left hand. And so I made some adjustments with my grip. And I really, it, it really emphasized to me how important the club face, um, you know, your club face is because your club face is going to determine your, 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 uh, the path of your swing. If you have an open club face or a closed club face, that's going to affect the path. And so, it, you know, a lot of times as teachers, we can get so wrapped up in all of the other things that you see all the tour players doing and all the things that you read in the magazines and all the stuff that you hear on television. And, and it can simply go back to how important, you know, how you hold the club is in, in swinging the club. And so I never want to get away from those fundamentals of ball position, of grip, distance from the ball posture, those things. And, and it really made an impact on me because when I fixed my grip, I, immediately I started hitting the ball better. So um, I, I always try to – I realize the majority of people that I teach don't have, um, uh, you know, good grips. And so because of that, mm-hmm. they're going to really struggle in their swing. So, uh, you know, that's, a, that's something I try to emphasize to young teachers. I, I try to tell them to, you know, make sure that you're getting those things first before you delve into their swing path and all that other stuff. Make sure that you get those fundamentals down. And we as teachers – need to make sure that we're doing that in our own games as well, because usually when you do get off, it's in the setup. Yeah. Well, and it's like anything when you're not practicing, you know, one of the, the things, uh, you know, Peter, uh, as teach professional, sometimes we don't get to play as much. Everybody thinks, well, I'm going to get into the golf profession so I can play a lot of golf. But when you get a full lesson tee every, uh, you know, uh, bookings every day, uh, it's not always, you know, uh, easy for you to get out and, and play some golf. So you kind of get a little bit rusty sometimes yourself. What about you, Peter? What are some things that, you know, uh, working through the season uh, with some of the students and things that really have given you pause to say, you know what, this is really going to help me moving forward as an instructor or a teaching or a coach? Uh, I've spent a lot more time listening. Um, and, and something I've, I've been very big on and, you know, I, I've, is a inviting in an element of choice for the player. Um, right. And then taking, enabling them to make certain choices in their, and whatever we're working on, if it's, if it's actually decision-making on the course, or if it happens to be a swing fund, you know, a swing technique, uh short, and ele- inviting in an element of choice, albeit it's task-based, it's guided choice, but, allowing them to make a choice and then observe it, reinforce what's positive about it, and then enable them to have ownership over it almost immediately because it, it came from them instead of me. Um, right. on, on the listening side, I, I've been, while I've been at Deconic, I've been exceptionally fortunate to be around um very, very successful and, and intelligent people. Um, and now that I'm, I'm going on this new adventure, um, they've, they've offered their own experiences and, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to listen to them sharing. Um, and it's extremely important guidance and I, I just want to give them a shout out on, on that. So thank you. Not a problem. Well done. Um, no, you're exactly right. Uh, I think as, as uh, coaches and teacher professionals, I think that we have to first and foremost be good listeners. Um, you know, we're obviously there to help uh, our students become better players and have more 
fulfillment and enjoyment in the game, um, but listening first and understanding um, the paths that our players need to take uh, is the first step. So uh, you're exactly right there. Well said. Um, Pete, how about you? What what this season uh, so far has has really jumped out at you that thought, you know, hey, uh, I, I can really use this this year. Um, this is something that uh, has come back to me, in, in, similar to what John uh, mentioned, that maybe something that you overlooked uh, or, or maybe needed an adjustment, or is just something in general uh, through your teaching this year that's really sort of stood out that has given you pause to say, you know what, this is going to really help me moving forward. Well, I think more than anything else this year for me, um, because I, I spent a lot of time uh, working with some tour players, and you know what it really boiled down to is, you know, there's a lot of influences that can that can be out there, but you have to stick to your guns and what you know, and and don't let them push the narrative to another direction. And you know, I think this year for for one of my players, I sort of let them dictate what was going on. And, and I, I knew it probably wasn't the right way to go, but um, you know, you're, you're talking about choice and trying to make them happy and make them feel better. Um, but in hindsight, I said to myself, you know, I probably should stick to my guns and, and, and I didn't at the start. And um, you know, then I just put my foot down and I said, look, um, this is what has to happen if you're going to improve. Um, and then, you know, I just, I finally just put my foot down and said, you know, hey, this is what we're going to do. Take it or leave it, um, you know, because um, what's going on isn't working. You're not getting the results that we need, and I know fundamentally this is what you have to do. And um, and in the end, it did work. So, um, you know, I think it's – there's so much information out there, Ted, and, and so many avenues that are thrown at all the players. Um, but when, when it boils right down to it, they've come to you to – to get them better. And, and, you know, for me, it was just sticking to my guns to what I know. I mean, I've, I've been at this a long time. Um, I've had a lot of influences. Mm-hmm. I've studied just about every possible swing. You can absolutely try to control the golf ball. Um, and, you know, I figured out a, a pretty simple way to do it. And, and I think most importantly is it's just sticking to what, you know, and uh, you know, not to not be, you know, just not letting anything get in the way of that. I mean, you know, what needs to be done. And um, mm-hmm. just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Well said. Um, well, I, normally I, I, I don't do too much of this, but I'm going to um, I'm going to jump in on this uh, question as well for myself. And uh, and I mean this sincerely when I say this. One of the things that has really helped me, not just this season, but for the last several seasons, um, is doing this show. And one of the things that has really helped me is having all of you guys on the show with me because you each bring your own experiences. You each bring your own talents and gifts. And I have the opportunity of listening to each of you, not just you three, but many of the others that have been on the show, both as guests and on the panel. And I'm able to draw from your experiences and add them to my own experiences. And I I truly mean this sincerely. It has helped me to become a better person all the way around, but particularly a better golf professional, because it allows me to look at from other perspectives other than my own. And I think, Peter, goes to your uh, point earlier, is when you become a, a really good listener, then in my opinion, you become a really good teacher. 
because if you don't listen to what the students are telling you and what others are telling you, then you don't have an opportunity to learn. Uh, and then you're just sort of going from what you think you know or what you uh, read in a book or, or were taught uh, you know, uh, by your instructors earlier on. So sometimes you have to be willing to look outside of yourself. And this show has allowed me for seven seasons now to tap in to some of the best people in my opinion, in this golf industry. So thank you to you three and to all of the others out there that have helped to give me that honor. And that's Coach's Corner tonight. Thank well said, Ted. Yeah, well, yeah, said, Ted. well said, Well, you know, uh, this is why I enjoy, uh, you know, doing this program so much is because it gives me an opportunity to communicate with so many great people that have so many great things to offer. And, um, you know, that's something that I think we could all do a little bit better uh, in, in every aspect of our life, but particularly here in, uh, in the golf industry. So thank you again. All right. So, guys, uh, very quickly, uh, we'll go from top to bottom. John, uh, how can the folks reach out if they want to uh, get in touch with you? Well, thanks again, Ted. And I'm, sh- I, I, I speak on behalf of everyone and Peter and Pete can obviously speak for themselves, but you do so much for all of us and allowing us to come on your show. I really appreciate you allowing me to be on. Uh, if the people out there want to uh, w- watch my videos, you can go to golfswing.com forward slash John Decker. And I spell my name, my first name, J O N It's John Decker is all one word. I'm also on social media on Facebook under John Decker Golf Instruction. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And um, I, my book, uh, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, uh, it's sold on Barnes & Noble and Amazon websites. Uh, so um, if you're interested in the book or Bible study or speaking engagements, you can reach me you know, through, through social media. And then uh, I'll talk a little bit more about the podcast, uh, but uh, when we get on with Angel, but uh, uh, in this in the second part. But uh, thanks, thanks again, Ted and Peter and Pete. I really enjoyed it. Well, we appreciate it as well, John. Um, Peter, go ahead. How can the folks reach out? Yeah, no always Thanks, Ted, for having me on, and uh, Pete and John. Thanks for being with. Uh, thanks for being with me, and great. To, uh, to share this platform with you. Uh, great input today, guys. It's it's great, great information to share. Um, people can reach me on uh, primarily Instagram at uh, dailygolf.coach. Um, um, you can reach uh, Northeast Inst- uh, Performance Institute on Facebook, uh, also on Instagram. Uh, it's at go.npi. Or at go.mpi, sorry, and then the uh, the website for Northeast Performance Institute is uh, www.gonpi.org. And again, thanks, Ted. Uh, look forward to uh, next time being on. Well, I appreciate it uh, as well, Peter. And, and just on a quick side note, I've got so many different links and websites, I don't remember them all off the top of my head either, so <laughs> you're, you're, you're in good company. Um, Pete, go ahead. How can the, how can the folks reach out? Ted, don't say that. You make us sound like we're getting older. Um, you know, <laughs> for me, it's plain, it's plain, simple golf.com is P L A N E is the plane. 
So all of my information's out there. You got links to the social media sites. So um, it's very simple to go out there. And and uh, I just want to echo back to you, Ted. And, you know, because we equally, um, by being on these shows and, and having the opportunity that you give us, uh, learn more ourselves as well. And, and being able to talk with the very various instructors and and John and Peter, it's a pleasure being on with you guys uh, this evening. And um, you know, it, it's a it's a great thing that you're doing, Ted, and, and uh, we, we really appreciate it, and uh, it's, it's really a great time to be on the show. Well, I appreciate you guys. It's always a lot of fun. I enjoy uh, Thursday evenings, uh, particularly here. I Obviously, I enjoy my interview guests, but uh, it's always fun in the Coach's Corner panel. It's interesting to hear different perspectives, and, and obviously there's a lot of uh, sort of commonalities, if you will, uh, in our business, but uh, – you know, we also get an opportunity to, to hear some things from time to time that, hey, you know, maybe maybe I might give that a try or something I hadn't thought of or, or uh, you know, what have you. And and this is an opportunity for, for all of us to share our thoughts and ideas, um, you know, besides just pecking out 140 characters on Twitter uh, or Facebook or something like that. So um, that's one of the reasons why I started this show was really to give us a platform to talk about this and share it with the listeners. And I think this is why it's, it's done so well over, uh, as I said, the last seven years. So again, thank you guys. And I will see you next time here on the coach's corner panel and John, uh, take a little break. I've got a few things to do and then you'll be joining me with, uh, angel here on the second half. So thanks guys. Have a great evening and a great weekend. And I'll see you next time on coach's corner. Thanks. Ted. thanks Ted. Thank you. All right. All right, that was the gang, if you will, uh, John Decker, uh, Peter Agazarian, and Pete Buchanan on Coach's Corner panel. Uh, great group of guys, and uh, and all of the other folks that uh, have come on here, both uh, men and women, uh, teaching professionals from both the PGA and the LPGA uh, that have come on here over the last several years on Coach's Corner. Uh, lots of great insight and input. Really uh, some hardworking people that uh, just want to, help you to, to have some fun is first and foremost. And uh, the best way to do that is to, uh, to reach out to uh, any one of us and, uh, and uh, you know, that's uh, in your area. And obviously with the uh, advent of, of things being online, there's other great ways that you can reach out as well. So make sure you do that. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to, um, John is going to be joining me uh, along with uh, Dr. Angelica Napolitano, who is uh, also known as the golf doc and the owner of optimal physical therapy and wellness. They've been on here before. We're going to talk about a number of different things here around the second half. Uh, but just let me also uh, give a quick thank you again to the sponsor of the Coach's Corner panel, uh, golfswing.com. And I got a, just a quick little clip here I want to play. Are you finally ready to improve your golf game? Golfswing.com is changing the way golfers learn online. With the largest collection of golf training programs and drills on the planet, golfswing.com can help you improve every part of your game. Whether you want to gain more distance, hit it closer, or just sink more putts, Golfswing.com staff of world-class coaches can help you gain the results you need. Watch unlimited videos on any device from anywhere in the world and start playing better, scoring lower, having more fun, and saving money. Get your fix on demand at Golfswing.com. All right, and uh, thank you again to the sponsors, uh, Golfswing.com, for uh, supporting the program, uh, particularly the Coach's Corner panel. Thanks, guys, for, for uh, uh, being here to offer your support. And don't forget, uh, after the end of the show, if uh, you want to join uh, their subscription-based website, it's a really uh, incredibly uh, very informative website. 
uh, as I mentioned, John is on there and he's got a, a whole plethora of, of instructional videos, some other great guys on there as well. Uh, just go to golfswing.com, enter promo code GOLFTALKLIVE, a uh, special offer for all of the listeners of the program. Enter at checkout GOLFTALKLIVE, uh, promo code, and you'll get 50% off the subscription price. So make sure you do that as well. All right, coming up in the second half, uh, as mentioned already, I'm going to be joined uh, once again by John Decker, a PJ instructor and instructor with GolfSwing.com. Uh, he's also a motivational speaker. Uh, he's going to be joined uh, by his partner, if you will, uh, Dr. Angelica Napolitano, a.k.a. the Golf Doc and owner of Optimal, Optimal Physical Therapy and Wellness in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, and they're also the hosts of Golf Swing RX podcast, the prescription for your game. Uh, they're going to be joining me here in just a minute. And uh, we're going to talk about a few different things here tonight. Um, they're actually going to be joining me not only tonight, uh, but for the next several months. Uh, they're going to have a show here uh, that we're gearing up for something kind of special in the new year. We'll talk a little bit about that tonight. We're not quite ready to unpack everything, but we're going to tell you, give you a sneak peek over the next several months. So uh, I'm glad that you're able to join us. Also, don't forget to join me every uh, Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com's Women of Golf show. Uh, where myself and my good friend and co-host, LPGA professional Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller, uh, have an opportunity to speak with some of the great up-and-coming women in golf from the Symmetra Tour and also the LPGA. And we also have an opportunity to, uh, from time to time, to interview some of the legends of the game, like uh, Shirley Spork and the late Marilyn Smith. Of course, we head on uh, a couple of times over the years. Uh, just some great legends of the game and many, many others who are still around and playing on uh, the Legends Tour, uh, which is the uh, seniors division, if you will, of uh, women's golf. So uh, always happy to have them on. And so make sure you tune in Tuesday mornings uh, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network or really where any great podcasts uh, such as Spotify and CastBox or some others and also in iTunes. So lots of great ways to, uh, to join them. All right, uh, I've already done the introduction, so let me bring both of them on and welcome them back to Golf Talk Live, uh, John Decker and Dr. Angelica Napolitano. All right, guys, welcome. How are you doing? Doing great, Ted. Hey, we're, we're doing good. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. All right, guys, um, before we start, uh, I, I kind of gave a little bit of a um, – a mention, if you will, of some things that we're going to do here in the new year. Uh, I didn't want to talk too, too much because, as you both know, I'm trying to keep things a little bit uh, tight-lipped for a little while yet, uh, but it, it's coming soon. Um, but one of the things that uh, I'm going to be doing in the new year is I'm going to be launching a, uh, a streaming service, if you will, uh, obviously for golf, uh, called the iGolf Sports Network. So most of uh, the listeners out there that maybe follow me on social media have probably noticed uh, in some of my media platforms that they've noticed this little uh, page on there, iGolf Sports Network, and wondered what that's all about. Well, basically what it's going to be is a streaming service that is going to provide uh, some great online um, teaching and coaching and news information, a lot of great things. And one of the things that uh, is going to be featured on there is a new program that both of you are going to take part in. And we're still putting all the pieces together. So what we thought we would do uh, over the next few months, beginning tonight, is we would sort of unpack a little bit of some of the things that you guys are going to talk about on the new show. Now, obviously, you have a great podcast that you guys 
uh, are collaborating on called Golf Swing RX Podcast, the prescription for your game, uh, which has a lot of different variety of topics. Um, but what we're going to talk about on this new program uh, is going to be some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. So um, again, welcome guys and thank you. I'm very, very excited to have both of you on here. You uh, are both uh, great professionals in, in both of your areas of expertise and I think you're going to be a, a definite asset to the uh, iGolf Sports Network. So um, let's start out first by talking with you, John, about um, some of the areas, and you kind of alluded to it actually in Coach's Corner, so thank you for kind of uh, helping to set this up a little bit for tonight. Um, we're going to talk about some different points here from uh, the golf professional side, if you will, and then Angel, you're going to sort of help unpack a little bit from your area of expertise, a little bit of some of the things that John's talking about, from uh, everything to preventative maintenance, if you will, uh, for injuries and, and post-injury uh, as well. So some of the things that uh, can happen in uh, our everyday golf life, and we're going to talk about that here on the show. So, John, let's start with you a little bit uh, and just uh, begin with the, with the first topic, uh, the grip. Okay, Ted, thank you again for, for having uh, us on. And, uh, Angel, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, doing the show with you tonight. Um, the grip is um angel and i were talking about this the other day and i was um really thinking about um you know one of the things that if i could change in golf it, it would be the terminology the golf grip it's really a hand placement because if i ask someone to grip something most people are going to squeeze it uh you do not want to squeeze the club with your entire hand you want to hold the club in the fingers using uh, the you know using the fingers and using the 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 pad of your left hand and you know getting the club in the fingers of the right hand. Now this is for a right-handed golfer, and so so often um, when I watch new players especially, and and a lot of times I'll have players who've been people have been playing for 20 years, and they have a bad grip. Uh, the grip controls the club face, and the club face controls your swing. So if you're not gripping the club properly then you're not going to swing the club properly. Now, I have seen players who have poor grips who end up being pretty good players, but you're going to lose distance, and you're really going to open yourself up a lot to injuries. And, and a lot of times, uh, and this was when, when Angel and I were talking about doing the show, this was one of the things that we really wanted to, to try to accomplish is talk about the golf side, but also talk about, you know, the, the physical side, because a lot of times I'm not a doctor. Uh, I always say I play one on Facebook, but um, I don't know <laughs> how to, if, if someone hurts themselves, you know, I'm going to send them to angel or if someone has something physically wrong, uh, something that they can't do. Maybe they had an injury when they were younger, or maybe uh, they're, they're not as strong in, in their wrist or in their forearms or whatever. Uh, and they can't grip the club properly. I'm going to send them to, to angel. So it's, it's the, the, the hand placement is the way I like to think of the golf grip, is how you place your hands on the club. And, and then you have a connection, how you connect your hands, whether you have a 10-finger grip where you get all the fingers on there, whether you have the interlocking grip or the overlapping grip. And over the you know, do, over radio, it's very difficult to show people, but I would encourage right. you to all go to your golf professional and have your golf professional look at your grip and how you hold the club. And if you'll fix your, if you have a good golf grip, you have a really good chance of having a good golf swing. 
Yeah, so true. And and that was a point that you brought up in, in Coach's Corner tonight about your own grip where, you know, sometimes, you know, we get caught up in, in our teaching and things like that. And we, I don't want to use the term lazy, but we, we get sometimes a little bit um, uh, forgetful or we make some changes. Uh, a lot of times it can be very subtle changes, but changes nonetheless uh, in our own game. And we have to be conscious of that. And, and that was something that you pointed out with your game, John, that that even you noticed your grip was getting a little bit uh, out of alignment to, to what you normally had, and you it, it noticed a difference in the results. So making those changes back to what you knew worked um, helped you out. So uh, we want to emphasize that. And this is one of the things I want to clarify, uh, and then Angel, I want you to come in, because I know you're going to uh, talk about some areas uh, about the grip and particularly grip strength in that. Um, but, you know, as John pointed out, obviously this is an audio uh, format here. So some of the things obviously you're not going to be able to see, but one of the great things uh, about uh, the iGolf Sports Network coming out next season is that with the show that John and Angel are going to be doing, they're going to be able to demonstrate a lot of this stuff uh, that we're going to be talking about tonight and uh, the rest of the season here on Golf Talk Live. They're going to be able to show and demonstrate and give you guys an opportunity to really see some of the things they're talking about. So uh, don't despair, if you will. Stay tuned and we'll keep you posted on that. But I just wanted to point that out. We are going to be doing that with a new format uh, coming in the new season. We'll talk more about that as this season starts to progress. Um, Angel, let's talk about off of what John talked about, the grip here. This is an area that a lot of golfers miss the boat on. From your perspective, give us an idea of some of the issues that you see and that can cause maybe a poor grip. Yeah, so um, grip strength really starts with scapular or shoulder blade stability. It really all starts from there. That is the core of the upper body, essentially. Just like our hips and our abdominals are the core of our lower body, your shoulder blades are the core of your upper body. So if I'm going to be weak there, what do you think is going to happen at my wrist and at my elbow? We're going to take up a lot of stress there. And as John was saying, hand placement is really what should be known as grip and not grip. <clears throat> so if, if you have poor stability in that shoulder blade, you're not really able to retract it or able to move it efficiently, you are going to take up stress at the more distal or far away joints from the core and the center of your body. So that's where everybody needs to start and everybody needs to understand that that's where the foundation lies for good grip strength. <clears throat> Does that make sense, Ted? No. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And, and just let me add so, one thing to that as well. Yeah, let me just add one thing real quick before I forget, and then and I'll let you continue on. You know, what people don't understand is your hands are the only part of your body that actually connects with the golf club. So if your grip is not working properly or it's out of whack or what have you or there are other issues, what I know, Angel, you're going to talk about, um, that is obviously going to affect the overall uh, golf game and your golf swing in that particular. So. This is why we're emphasizing on some of the things that we're talking about. So I'm sorry uh, to interrupt, but go ahead. No, you're fine. So if, if you don't have that strength there, the wrist and the, and the elbow, especially the elbow, you hear about golfer's elbow, right? So that mm -hmm. is a tendonitis of the inner part of the elbow, okay? So you're putting a lot of stress on that middleman, just like the knee. The knee and the elbow are similar joints. There's only, you know, a couple ways it moves, just flexion and extension, so bending and straightening, right? So when you're gripping a club, if you're not doing it with your fingers, you're doing it with the palm, right? 
and John knows this and we discussed this. So you don't use your palm of your hand to swing a golf club. And that is what a lot of people do if they don't have that stability and strength in the shoulders and in the back, the back of your body, literally right next to your shoulder blades. Those parascapular muscles are what they're called. And so in order to be able to grip and have an interlocking grip or the grip that John just explained and to have them, you know, hold them and swing it with a sturdy, strong foundation, um, then you're really going to take up a lot of stress at that elbow. You're going to get uh, golfer's elbow. You're going to get maybe carpal tunnel from repeated extension of that wrist when it's unnecessary, just like somebody sitting at a desk job typing. They're always extending or, or, pushing back their wrist, and that's how carpal tunnel is created. And we know that that creates a lot of pain and disability within people, and it takes them away from playing golf. So it's very, very important that we start from the most center part of our body um, when trying to create strength within our grip so that we can do that interlocking grip and we can have that sturdy, stable foundation so we're not hanging back during our swing. And, and causing a lot of shoulder, elbow, and wrist injuries, that, that's going to be detrimental to your game because it's not going to appear immediately. It's going to appear, you know, two years down the road, and it's going to become, at that point, it's chronic, and you didn't even know it was happening. So that's why it's key to really have, you know, you have the instructor who says, no, you're palming it. But if they're palming it, that is a sign that they have some weakness going on in their upper body, and that needs to be addressed before we have this chronic tendinopathy starting to occur that is going to take a long time and a lot of pain and a lot of mental, emotional fatigue to correct. So there's a lot more that comes with the injury than just the physical side. It's, it's mental too. And we know golf's a mental game. So when you're injured, the mental part is just as big as the physical part. So I want people to understand that because when they can't get past that, it becomes chronic. So that is very, very important to understand. It's very important to understand where you need to begin when correcting grip strength, control of motor control of the wrist. Um, all these things come into play when talking about um, grip or hand placement on the club. Right. Well said. And let me just ask a, just a quick follow-up question, uh, Angel, to you. Um, you know, as John pointed out, we're not doctors, so we don't know, uh, obviously, a lot of the terminology, but we don't always know maybe what's best. But when when there is somebody that maybe we've identified um, that obviously is having some of these issues, what are some things that maybe you can help them with uh, to be able to regain uh, maybe some of the dexterity in their hand or or if there are other injuries or things as a result that's causing them to grip the club poorly, are there some things that you can do, work with them to help? Uh, obviously, there may be some uh, serious issues which may require other things, but uh, are there generally some things that you can do uh, to help alleviate some of the issues that you talked about? Yeah, so if there's an underlying condition such as arthritis, um, you know, maybe they had a previous injury, Things like that, that's a different circumstance and a different type of uh, treatment intervention, a course of treatment that you would go through. But if you identified this and sent somebody to me and you're just like, they have, you know, I noticed that they're palming the club, they can't really, they're hanging back, 
um, I would, they would come in to see me. I would do an assessment. I would check ranges of motion in the wrist, the elbow, the shoulder, the whole gamut for the whole upper body. Um, and it, I would come to a conclusion, a diagnosis as to where the source is coming from. So whether it's shoulder, whether it's literally rotation in your thoracic spine, that mid spine, it could be anything from that to, you know, um, a wrist injury, right? So there's so many different right. things that could be going on with that person. And it's hard for somebody that's not a medical professional to identify. That's why it's important for you guys to be able to identify and realize, okay, we need to send to Angel, uh, you know, to, to, to correct this. But, yes, there are exercises. There are things that right. I can do um, to correct this. And so it, it really varies um, depending on the case. If, you know, they need some skilled manual therapy to release some, like, soft tissue and connective tissue restrictions that are holding them back from getting you know, that positioning, that's something that I'll have to go in manually and do myself that you're taught in school and you've developed that skill in school and, and out in the field. So um, it's not necessarily common sense, and I can't really explain that. But as far as no, developing, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's good. Um, the reason why I wanted to ask you that was, you know, obviously there are going to be situations a lot of people might just think, well, you know, uh, whatever problem they may arise. I mean, again, there's many, many variables to, to what you're talking about. So it's really hard to isolate a specific thing, but I just wanted generally to, to get from you an idea that obviously if we as professionals in the golf side of things identify an issue, the first and foremost, what we want is we want them to go to a professional like yourself uh, to be able to have a proper assessment done so we can get to the root cause of, of some of the issues. So exactly. first and foremost, obviously, yeah, we want to identify uh, that there's a problem uh, gripping the club because, again, that's a, a vital, uh, important thing. And then if there is some issues, then obviously we want them to, to go to, to a trained professional to be able to get a proper assessment. Uh, and more often than not, things can be resolved uh, probably fairly quickly. So um, thank you for that. Uh, John, I want to go to you next uh, so we can keep things moving along here a little bit. Um, let's talk, uh, I know you want to talk about ball position as well. Yes, the, um, the ball position, when I look at any, any student, uh, whether they're a tour player or a beginner, I always start from the ground and I work up. And um, the ball position for the listeners out there, let, I want to make sure that everyone is clear on this. I'm going to do, use this uh, as a right-handed player. Um, the, for a right-handed player, the ball position would be um, the more I move the ball toward my left foot, the more forward the ball is in my stance. And the more I move it toward my right foot, the more back in my stance. Um, it's not your distance from the ball. It's the ball in relationship to your left and your right foot. And the fastest part of your golf swing for a right-handed player is right inside of the left heel. So if you take the the, if you take from my sternum to my left shoulder, if you divide, take that distance and, and go right over my pectoral muscle, my left pectoral muscle, right there where a lot of logos are for men's golf shirts typically are, that's where you want to play the ball. So it's right inside of the left heel. Um, and if you play the ball in the correct position, it's going to allow you to create the most speed possible using your body rotation. And when you finish your golf swing, you're going to be in a nice balanced position. You know, this is, I, it all starts with having that ball position. 
one of the biggest mistakes that I see a lot of my students make is they play, they will play the ball too far back, or sometimes they'll play it too far forward. If they play the ball too far forward, they will tend to slide. That puts a tremendous amount of stress on their left hip, their lower back. It's, it's, it's not an ideal position. And if you play the ball too far back towards your right foot, you're going to hang back. And when people hang back, um, and I, again, I'm not a doctor, but I see people tell me, oh, my lower back hurts all the time, or I have tendonitis, or I have golfer's elbow, or whatever. They've got the bands on their arms. Many times, it's because their ball position is too far back in their stance. So it's very important that you have the correct ball position. That will give you the maximum distance. This ball position is ideally going to be that way, whether you're putting or hitting your driver. And the only compensations I make when I go from my long clubs to my short clubs is as I go to my longer clubs, I step, I, I'm farther from the ball, and I widen my stance, and I widen my stance with my right foot. As I go to my shorter clubs, I move closer to the ball, and I narrow my stance with my right foot. But I never really change the ball position. The ball is really going to be right inside of my left heel. This is a la Jack Nicklaus, um, and, and he was one of the first ones that I really saw because so many, uh, when I was a kid, so many of the players on tour were playing the ball more back in their stance. Um, and then one of the uh, my favorite stories is uh, uh, Tiger Woods was doing a clinic here in Columbus uh, a few years ago, and he was for the Muirfield tournament. And one of the kids uh, asked him ab about moving the ball back in his stance, and he said, "When I move the ball back in my stance, I move it back one ball." So he moves it back the distance of one ball, uh, and he does it. He he talked about situations where he would move the ball back in the stance. Most of my students play the ball way too far in the middle or back of their stance, and again, uh, in the long haul, it's going to cost you power, and it's also going to be very hard on your body. Yeah, and and the other thing, just very quickly, and then Angel, I know uh, there's a particular area that we're going to talk about here. Um, but again, with ball position, one of the other issues that happens is people, in order to accommodate uh, a poor ball position, will twist and kind of contort their bodies a little bit to, to fit what they feel is a, a good setup. And when they, you know, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll actually uh, bring them in front of a, a full body mirror and let them set up how they think they should be set up. And then I'll just have them lift their head a little bit, keep in position, but have them look up and see what I'm talking about. And you're exactly right. Uh, not only do they lose power and distance, um, but they also get themselves in some odd shapes and whatnot. And, and ultimately, in order to maintain balance, a lot of times have to pivot incorrectly uh, in order to prevent from falling over. So ball position is very critical. But another area, too, uh, which, Angel, I want you to touch on a little bit here, is some other areas in addition to the grip that's important is your wrist and forearm mobility. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, this was this is a very very important um, piece of the puzzle to your grip and to your swing. So there is something called the hinge. Your wrist is hinging during your backswing and your downswing, and they go in different directions. So during your backswing, your right for a right-handed golfer. Your right hand is going to, during the backswing, is going to hinge towards the thumb. You're going to be moving towards the thumb. That wrist is going to be moving towards the thumb. That's called radial deviation. Now, if I have a, any kind of connective tissue restrictions on the pinky side, that's going to limit that hinge, okay? 
But if I have any kind of bony or cartilage issues on the right side, it's going to limit that hinge as well. And it's important for people to understand that these tissues are healed in different ways. So your cartilage and your, your tendon are not healed the same way, and they're not the interventions used to treat that are not the same. Not, I'm not trying to give you a plan of care here. I'm just trying to explain that there could be several reasons as to why you're not getting that hinge, and it could come from one side or the other, um, and that's for a different day. But so if you have any restrictions on either side um, during your backswing with going towards the thumb, you're not going to load fully into your backswing. And then on your downswing, you're not going to open the club face um, correctly for impact, at impact. And you're going, you're going to hook, slice, whatever you're going to do, whatever mishit that's going to occur with the ball on impact is going to happen. And during that downswing, when you release the club, when you're releasing it, you need to go towards your pinky. The wrist needs to hinge towards the pinky. So hinging is literally put your forearms at your side, your elbows are bent, and just take your, your, um, your hand, make a fist, and hinge it down towards the ground and up towards you. That's a wrist hinge. So on our downswing, we release through that um, ulnar deviation, which is towards the pinky. And again, if you have restrictions, either the bone, cartilage, whatever, on either side, we're going to have a problem, and we're going to not make <clears> – releasing that club is not going to hit the ball as accurately as you would like, and you're going to get frustrated because you're going to hook and slice, like I said, and it's just going to cause a, pl a plethora of issues because then, guess what, we're hanging back. If we're not getting that wrist hinge on our um, backswing as we set the club, um, you're going to hang back, and like John said, that's really bad. We're going to start getting a shoulder impingement, rotator cuff tears, elbow tendonitis, you know, carpal tunnel. Uh, anything can happen because these are all, all those injuries I just mentioned are all repetitive, prolonged overuse injuries. So that's what golf is. <laughs> it's one big repetitive thing <laughs> over and over and over again. So if you're not doing it correctly and you are – you know, noticing or you are wearing that wrist strap or that elbow strap, that is when you need to realize you need to come see somebody because we're going to, we're about to have way bigger problems. And those bigger problems are going to take a long time to, to recover from. And you're going to not be able to golf for a long time. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be taken away from the things they enjoy. So if you notice a dysfunction within yourself, something doesn't feel right. You need to contact somebody. Tell your instructor, hey, this is going on. Who do you know that I can go see? And, you know, most good instructors will know somebody to send to um, and to refer to because that's just part of that's a vital piece of the puzzle, again, um, for, a, for a golfer. So, you know, and, if, and for those instructors listening, if you don't have somebody in your area that you can refer to, you need to find somebody. You need to get to know them because this is very, very, very important for uh, the satisfaction of your clients and, and their health, number one. So, yeah, um, a lot of these things come into play, and you need a skilled professional to go, oh, this is the tissue that's impaired. This is how we're going to heal it, because I'm not going to bore you guys with how to do that, um, and it's quite complicated. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's where I come in and my expertise. Um, so those are just some things to take into consideration, hinging at the wrist, and, of course, you know, bending and, and, and straightening the wrist or extending the wrist back 
and flexing it down, bending it down are, are another important component to the wrist um, during your swing. And if you don't have the range at certain parts, it's going to, again, screw you up. So. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely good. Well said, Angel. Um, you know, just to add to that, again, one of the things why we want to sort of put this show together, and as I mentioned earlier to the listeners, you know, right now we're not able to show you some of the uh, things specifically that we're talking about, but uh, when we uh, launch the new iGolf Sports Network and John and Angel are on with their program, they're going to be able to show you some of the things that we're talking about here tonight and uh, some of the future shows as well. And why that's important is because uh, particularly uh, not only from John's perspective as a, a golf professional, obviously visually uh, it's much easier to see what's going on when you're talking about things like ball position and uh, good grip, um, but also uh, from Angel's perspective as well. Uh, people don't understand, you know, a lot of times when they're out there and they're struggling on the golf course and they think it's, well, maybe it's the equipment or maybe I'm not holding the club uh, correctly, which could or could not be the case, uh, but there could be other physical issues that are inhibiting you from playing your best golf. So as instructors, you hit it right on the head, uh, Angel. You know, if you're not connected with somebody uh, in, in the medical side of things uh, like Angel is, you know, you want to make sure that you find somebody in your area to work with because a lot of times you might be tweaking or making adjustments uh, with that individual's golf swing, and it may not necessarily be uh, what's needed. There may be some physical issues that that individual is playing. So obviously from the player's perspective, they need to, uh, obviously speak up, but from the teaching professional, we need to be mindful of that as well. And if we notice some things that aren't looking right, uh, don't always assume that the person's doing something incorrectly. There may be some physical issues that could inhibit it. Um, well said, by the way, uh, Angel. All right, John, uh, on the last uh, topic for you, uh, weight distribution is another one uh, key area that a lot of people uh, struggle with. So let's break that down a little bit as well. The, uh, one of the tests that, that I do with my students, um, and, and this is something that I've worked on a lot, I, even with uh, players on the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour, um, is making sure that, that the, the, the weight is properly distributed in the feet. And if you think about, you know, we have, and, and again, I'm just going to use these terms. Uh, I don't know if they're exact, but you have you know, the toes, you have the ball of the foot, you have the arch, and you have the heel. You do not want to have the weight in your heels. Imagine trying to run, put all your weight in your heels, lift your toes up in the air, and try to run. You can't. You can hardly move. I, a lot of times with the junior camps, I tell I have all my students or all the kids put their toes up in the air, and I say, "Now jump as high as you can," and no one can get off the ground. And then I say, "All right, now I want you to jump as high as you can. Let's feel the difference. Where did the, where did your weight go?" So I always show them, you know, where the weight should be at setup. And you have to remember that when you're doing the lesson, a lot of times you're doing it on mats and you're doing it on a level lie. You get on the golf course and you have all kinds of uneven lies. And so if you don't know how to find the, your, where your weight is supposed to be in the feet, then you can't get the weight properly in the knees. You can't get in the hips and then the shoulders. So we work from the ground up, as I said. And, again, ball position will be part of that. 
Um, so uh, the second thing I look at is is I look at their their physical build. I'm six foot four, have uh, you know long legs, so I have to bend my knees more than the average golfer. Uh, so knee mm-hmm. flex is very important because when I bend my knees, that's going to get my weight, um, you know, move it out toward the balls of my feet. If I straighten my legs and and push my hips way back, which I see a lot of uh, a lot of students will push their butts too far back. They get their butt so far back that all of the weight goes in the heels. So you don't want to be on the arch. You don't want to be on the heel. You want to be in the ball of the foot. And you certainly don't want to be on your toes. Now, I have had some students who stand too close to the ball and their heels are off the ground. That's not an athletic position to be in as well. So it's very much like you're going to dive into a swimming pool. You're right on the edge of the swimming pool. You're going to dive. You want to be in that spring-like position. Your legs, you know, your knees are flexed. Uh, and you're in a in a uh, a position where you you feel athletic, just like you would in other sports. And, and that is the most basic thing that I work on uh, in the setup when I'm when I'm starting with any player is making sure that they have that right. And and so what I'll do is I will test uh, the student by putting them on a board, and I'll have them put the ball of their foot on the board and and they should be able to have their heels off the ground and then i have them make some swings and they'll notice to do this they immediately have to start tightening up their abs and their core and that's good because you want to be tight you don't want to be you don't want to be moving all over the place in the golf swing so to create that lower body stability it all starts with your connection to the ground and that means the weight needs to be in the balls of the feet so you'll be an athlete and it's just like any other sports whether it's basketball softball any of the sports i've played growing up you know that was always the test get the weight in the balls of your feet get in an athletic position knee flex and you're going to get more power you're going to get the most power out of your golf swing yeah well said you know, it's often referred to as being in an athletic position. Uh, a lot of people, you know, don't understand that. Well, you just explained it very well. Being in an athletic position uh, or ready position, if you will, in any sport, uh, golf included, uh, will will serve you well. Um, Angel, uh, another component of, uh, as well from your perspective is um, that posture, if you will, and positioning during uh, the setup. Uh, there's issues that can happen here uh, if everything isn't working quite well. Touch on that a little bit. Yeah, so I just want to go back to the weight distribution and kind of um, add on to what John was just saying. So when you are training, if you are on um, an even-type surface, um, again, from the ground up, we know that energy transfers from the ground up in your swing. So um, very important uh, to touch on, John. Thank you for that. You, you must be able to incorporate in your training program some type of balanced training, whether it's on different terrains, uneven terrains like the golf course might be, you know, where your ball lands, where you have to hit, right? So if you're on, like, you know, kind of a, a steeper hill or maybe different types of, you know, pine needles, different grass with divots, who knows what you're going to encounter, um, you, you need to be able to feel the ground underneath you and to be able to hold a good and get in a good setup um, posture and position and, and be able to maintain that to, to hit a ball. And if you can't deal with that and you have an impaired sense, it's called somatosensory. It's basically feeling where you are in space and, and the, the surface changes. If you're not able to 
grasp that concept. Your, your nervous system isn't able to register that and get that feedback and, and be able to conquer that, then there's going to be a problem and you're going to lose balance. And we know that's not good. We could fall. You know, we're going <laughs> to def- definitely lose posture. Um, during the backswing, we're going to, you know, start to early extend, get that reverse spine angle, all types of bad stuff happens at that point. So very, very important to be balanced, do balance training, incorporate that into your program. Um, also, John was saying about your core. He wants to engage the core. Very important because when we're setting up, we need to have a neutral spine. And if we're shifting our weight back onto our heels too much, our butt sticks out, pokes out, and we get that excessive arch in our lower back, which is called S posture. S posture is a swing characteristic, not a swing fault. Okay, and it is that over-excessive arch in the lower back, which when we go into our back swing again, we're not going to get the proper rotation. We're going to lose our posture. We're going to hang back. All these swing faults will start to occur just from that little setup error. So neutral spine, and again, on you know, when we're on iGolf Sports Network, we can show these things and, and accurately um, kind of paint a picture for you guys visually as to how um, you should set up and what we mean by neutral spine because a lot of people don't understand, what, well, what's neutral spine? Well, it's not when your back is excessively arched and it's not when your back is excessively rounded out. Um, so you have to be in between those and you have to be able to maintain that. And with that comes a strong, good, stable core. And if we're not having that, we're going to have problems. And most people don't have that, to be honest. Most of the people in this world, do not have a strong core. You know what I mean? Even physical therapists that I don't have a six pack abs. You don't need six pack abs to have a strong core. You just need to train that, those deep, deep, deep abdominal stabilizers again, which I can't explain on here. It has to be more visual. Um, so that's very, very important. Um, and then again, if you're on the, your toes, which you hear all the time, get on your toes, get on your toes, not an athletic stance. And what that's going to do is make your knees go over your toes. And then you're going to put a lot of pressure on the front of your knees, and then we're going to start to develop knee pain and all sorts of other conditions going on there because the knees are middleman. So that's very, very important to understand. So S posture we talked about, not good. Then there's another one called C posture, which is a swing characteristic. Okay, C posture is when our upper back and our shoulders round out forward. Okay, so we get that rounded uh, forward head, rounded shoulder posture type thing going on. Um, And most older uh, people display this kind of swing characteristic because they don't have the ability to hinge properly at the hips and they have tight hamstrings. There's, again, a lot of other variables that go into why you're doing C posture. You might be choking up on the the club too much and your hands are too far down, so you're going to, you know, pull forward right? So, or the ball, your ball position is off. Again, that's the instruction side. But once you do this over and over and over again, it becomes natural. Mainly, most of the time, it's because people don't have a good core and they have tight hamstrings, physical restrictions and limitations that someone like myself can correct. So, if you see those types of issues, you need to be referring because chances are those you know, characteristics and swing uh, the posture setups like that, there's going to be some underlying things going on that that person might not even know about is lying dormant and that you can correct before it comes out and really gets them. So if you can save somebody by that, it's literally preventative care. 
um, wellness, <laughs> preventative wellness and care. So you need to uh, be able to identify those things, you know, from the setup, from the start, from the initial point of going to even hit a ball. It's so important. And the setup is probably one of the most important things in your swing. Would you agree, John? Absolutely. It's the, it's the only position that I teach um, is the setup. I, I'm not a position teacher. I don't teach that. What I teach is the setup, and then I, te- I basically it's, from there it's a sequence of events and teaching right. people how to get the sequence of events. But you have to have the setup. And why golf is so difficult is because, like, as you mentioned, as soon as you hit your tee shot, you're on an uneven lie of some sort. You know, um, even if you're on the green. If you're on a par three and you hit it from the tee to the green, the green's not going to be flat. There's every surface that you play on is going to be uneven, and you have to learn to adjust to, to, to those, uh, you know, and, and it starts with the setup, and there's little changes. In, I mean, we're just touching briefly on the setup. There's a lot of issues of the setup we haven't mentioned. But, um, again, that's where – and I think, that you know, for the listeners out there, I think it's important – that you do, uh, if you're going to do instruction, that you make one of your lessons a playing lesson so that you can get out on the golf course and replicate. Unless you have a driving range that has uneven lies, you know, a really nice driving range, um, the best place to learn how to hit uneven lies is out on the golf course. Yeah, well said. You know, and as you both touched on in in different areas, really tonight's conversation um, is about the setup. You know, if you want to play your best golf, obviously, you know, getting yourself in in reasonably good shape. As Angel, as you pointed out, you know, we all, uh, especially as we get older, you know, some of us maybe not as active as others. um, So things start to happen and those can creep into your golf game. uh, And the best way to see some of that is in the setup. Uh, From an instructor standpoint, if we see, uh, that S posture or that C posture, right away we know there's some issues there and there's things that can be worked on. And when uh, you guys do the show next season on the iGolf Sports Network, we're going to unpack things a little bit more and get into a little bit more detail and not just show you uh, some of the problems or potential problems that uh, many golfers are facing with, but you guys are going to be able to demonstrate. And I think I, I have a sneaking suspicion, John, I think you're going to be a guinea pig a little bit on that show uh, and having to demonstrate some of the, the things that Angel's <laughs> going to be talking about here. So uh, you might want to uh, be ready for that. But, but really, all, all kidding aside, what we want to be able to do uh, on the iGolf Sports Network with uh, you guys is to be able to show uh, some of the common issues because it, it's, it's wonderful, John, for you and I as instructors to talk about all the, the great things that we can do to set up and things like that. But sometimes people have underlying issues uh, that are preventing them from getting into the best positions uh, that are going to help uh, improve their game and, and give them some uh, longevity. Because, uh, Angel, as you pointed out a little bit earlier, you know, uh, as people get older and conditions uh, start to change, uh, also the level of participation in golf uh, starts to decline because of, of health issues and things like that. Well, some of those things can be prevented. You guys are going to talk about that uh, in, in great length uh, when we get on the show next year. Uh, and uh, I just really what we want to do over the next few months is kind of just give you a little bit of a, uh, 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 a taste, if you will, an appetizer uh, of, of things to come. So um, I think really what we want to do 
is give you guys out there an opportunity to learn different parts of the golf game from an instructor standpoint, but also some of the uh, pre and post care, if you will, uh, and getting you into the best shape. And that's what Angel brings uh, to the show as well. Does that pretty much sum it up, do you think, guys? Yeah, and injury prevention is key because a lot of people don't understand that you don't need to come to a physical therapist when you're hurt or injured or have pain. It, it starts before that. And if you want to, um, you know, prolong the, the life of your game and you being able to play, then you're going to want to invest in this type of health and wellness um, aspect. And you're going to, we are just as important as instructors, yet we're so undervalued or unknown, like our resources and our education and our skill is so unknown to that population because we're not creating an awareness like we're doing with this show. And so that's really important for people to take away here is that physical therapy and instruction go hand in hand hands down <laughs> absolutely um, yeah no so, yeah yeah no so i agree if you, are, it, if you want to prolong the lifespan of your game you need to see both and this is not i'm not trying to keep you I, i'm i help you help yourself that's what a physical therapist a good physical therapist will do i don't want right. you in my clinic every week for the rest of your life okay and i'm not going to say who does that but we know um I want to make you independent, self-sufficient, and if you have that tightness coming on again, you can prevent it. Or you know how to prevent injury altogether because I'm going to teach you and I'm going to give you the resources and the tools to be your own boss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well said. Ted, Ted and, and, I'm, I'm sorry, ahead. Ted. I didn't mean – well, I just wanted to, to say that one of the things when, when Angel and I talked about doing this show – is we wanted to have a team approach. And, and for this all started when we were talking about doing the podcast, is, uh, is we wanted to have a team approach. And we wanted, you know, the tour players, if you go to any tour event, they have their instructor there, they have their uh, physical therapist, they have, uh, they're getting massaged, they're getting, they have someone with nutrition, their chef. I mean, they have, everything is tailored for their game. And this is the most, you know, the elite uh, services possible. Uh, are for them. And we wanted the the listeners and we wanted the viewers with iGolf Sports Network to have that same information. You know, we, we, we're not expecting, uh, uh, you know, t the people to, to go out and have a, t a teacher with them, you know, five days a week and have a physical therapist with them wherever they go. We're not talking about that. But, but having the information, because knowledge is power. And if I have the knowledge, if I have, okay, if I, if I do this in my golf swing, I'm going to be better. And if I do this exercise, I'm going to get stronger and I'm going to be healthier. Then, and we talk about, we, we want to talk about nutrition and we want to talk about the mental aspect and all the different components that go into the golf game. We want the viewer and we want the listener out, listeners out there to know that they're going to have access to the same knowledge that the tour players have access to. Yeah, well said. And, and that's exactly right. And that's really the, the purpose of bringing uh, the streaming uh, network, iGolf Sports, uh, to uh, the viewers, if you will, and listeners here uh, on Golf Talk Live for next season because we want to be able to show them some of the things that, that you just talked about. And, and you're exactly right. You know, one of the things that, you know, we often hear about with tour players and that is, is having access um, to a variety of different individuals who can help them 
with various parts uh, of their game and also uh, with themselves. And the average golfer doesn't have that access. Uh, so we want to basically give you a little bit of a taste of what some of the tour players uh, experience um, with not only John and Angel, but some of the others that are going to be involved in iGolf Sports Network, which I'll be talking about as, as uh, things progress as well. Uh, nutrition is going to be one of them. We've got a great nutritionist uh, going to be coming on board as well. So we're going to talk about some, some uh, things in that area as well. But for tonight, uh, we just wanted to give you a little bit of a taste of, of things to come uh, next season on the iGolf Sports Network. Uh, but also I wanted to give you guys another uh, chance to uh, talk about your podcast as well, uh, the uh, Golf Swing uh, RX podcast um, that you've been uh, doing over the last little while, of course, the prescription for your game. Uh, John, why don't you start off, and then Angel, uh, you can uh, finish up. Well, th- um, yeah, the the podcast has gone very well. We've um, with the hurricane and everything. Angels had a lot going on with that, and she's um, it's kind of got a sidetrack the last couple of weeks. And and obviously, our thoughts and prayers with everyone involved with that. Um, we we recently uh, interviewed Fred Griffin, who was my boss down at Grand Cypress, and it was it, it was an um, excellent overall interview. I'm hoping. We did have a couple little technical issues that we may have to go back and we're, and we're going to get that edited. But we've had uh, Eddie Fernandez, who won the Masters. Uh, he's fast Eddie out there for all the watch the golf channel and watch the he's the long drive champion, Masters uh, uh, 2018 long drive champion. We interviewed him. We've had some other people and we've done some shows, uh, you know, just where we were just the two of us uh, are, are, are only without a guest. And, um, you know, we're learning, and, and uh, Angel is uh, the brains behind the podcast because I, I, um, I've never um, put, put together a podcast, but, but uh, I think we make a great team, and I've, it's been a blessing to have her in my life and have her uh, help me with this, and, and uh, I think together we make a pretty good team. I couldn't agree more. Um, Angel, any, any uh, final thoughts or comments you want to talk about as well? Yeah, I just want to kind of touch back on what John said about the hurricanes. I live in South Florida on the east coast of uh, Florida and Jupiter. And um, so I just – I have been very busy uh, doing medical relief in the Bahamas. And I actually – one of my good friends is a physical therapist over there, and we did an interview on Facebook that I turned into a podcast episode that I just put out, and so I'll be putting that on social media tomorrow. But it's, you know, not only is it going to be about golf, but it's going to be about real-life stuff too because we're real people, you know what I mean? Our lives are not just consumed by golf, but when things like this happen, we need to talk about it and we need to have these conversations because what I saw, what I endured, and, and what had happened has changed the course of my, you know, life and things that I have to now deal with forever and things I can't unsee. And so I want people to know, and I want people to be prepared for these things because the Bahamas is not prepared for this. Let's just put it that way. And there's a lot of things that are going on there um, that we won't get into, but, you know, like little shows and blurbs here and there, we're going to, you know, mix in. Um, And I hope that the, the listeners that listen to our podcast can appreciate that because these are things that hold heavy to my heart. And I'm sure John is going to want to have some episodes like that on his own as well, 
because I grew up going to the Bahamas my entire life, and that could have been me. I could, my house could be gone right now because it was supposed to, it was coming straight for Jupiter. And I don't mean to digress, but, you know, um, these are just things that happen in life that kind of just you want to talk about and needs to be said and, and the actions that need to be taken uh, moving forward to correct these types of things. That is what I literally, I feel like I was put on this earth to do. Uh, not only do I love golf and being a golf physical therapist, and <clears throat> no, I did not go over to the Bahamas to teach them how to swing a golf club, okay? Um, but, you know, it, it, some people were like, what are you going to show them how to swing a golf club? I'm like, no, I'm not an instructor. I have a medical degree, but that's besides the point. Um, so, you know, I just, I just want people to understand this is two people that are going through life that have expertise in the industry, but when it comes to at the end of the day where things arise like this, I want to include them in our show. And this was really important, and it's a great interview, and it's a, um, you know, tune in, you know, check us out tomorrow when we put our social media posts up about it um, and listen to it because it's super, super important. There's a lot of things people don't know and that need to know. Um, but as far as the golf part, we're, yeah, we're on top of it. <laughs> We got some good people. We'll be getting some nutritionists, um, you know, golf nutrition going on soon, um, some pain science so people can understand chronic pain and how to deal with that. Uh, a lot of good things. And if people want to hear something, or have an, we'll, we'll get an expert. We'll find an expert, and we'll bring them on, and we'll interview them, and we'll talk to them. And, you know, we want to cater to the listeners. So, you know, if people can write in or, you know, whatever that needs to be done to give us some ideas or what they want to hear would be awesome um, because we're always looking for new, for new things. Well, perfect. And it's uh, the golf swing RX podcast, the prescription for your game uh, with hosts, John Decker and Dr. Angelica Napolitano uh, guys. I want to thank you very much for joining me tonight on golf talk live as my special guest as we uh, start the series off here and you'll be joining me again next month. Uh, with some other uh, great topics as well. But uh, as we move forward uh, to the iGolf Sports Network, which we will talk about as time uh, elapses, if you will, over the next several months, we'll be uh, giving everybody a sneak peek of things to come. But uh, keep up doing the great work, and you're exactly right, Angel. I think uh, as human beings, we have to uh, certainly enjoy some of the things that we have been given uh, you know, the honor to do, like golf and that, but we also have to keep it real um, when, when things like uh, what happened here a few weeks ago with uh, uh, Hurricane Dorian. Obviously, uh, people are in uh, uh, some dire straits, and, and uh, I give kudos to you for, for reaching out and doing what you can to help. Uh, so keep up the great work. But, guys, thank you very much for, for coming on tonight, and I look forward to uh, more great shows uh, and working together with you guys in the future. So. Uh, keep up the great work. Thank, Thank you, Ted. You. All right. Have a great night. You too. All right. That was John Decker, PJ instructor and instructor with golfswing.com and uh, motivational speaker. And you can also, uh, if you go to uh, barnesandnoble.com uh, or amazon.com, you can get a copy of his uh, book, uh, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game. Uh, which also, uh, again, has a company Bible study you can get there. Uh, and you can also find both of them on social media, uh, John Decker uh, Golf Instruction, uh, or you can go to golfswing.com forward slash John Decker, and John is spelt J-O-N, uh, and you can see uh, his uh, great videos. Uh, and join golfswing.com uh, 
uh, enter promo code Golf Talk Live uh, at checkout, and you can see some other great videos as well um, and save 50% off their subscription price. And you can also find uh, Dr. Angelica Napolitano, aka the Golf Doc, uh, and owner of Optimal Physical Therapy and Wellness in Jupiter, Florida. You can find her uh, all over social media as well, and you can find them uh, together on their. Uh, podcast Golf Swing RX podcast, the prescription for your game. All right, I want to also thank uh, everybody again on Coach's Corner, Peter, uh, Pete, and John. Thanks for doing a great job. I hope everybody enjoyed the discussion tonight. And I will be back next week with another great Coach's Corner panel and a nice, uh, another uh, great guest uh, interview on the second half. So God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast at Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. Or listen on any of the following social media platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.